You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle podcast. I am your host, Patricia Caputo. Joining me today is Liam Haley and Cassidy Johnson. How are you both? Doing good. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. LSU came away with a win against Arkansas on Saturday to help secure their spot in the SEC championship. LSU will take on Georgia in Atlanta on Saturday, December 3rd at 4 o'clock Eastern time. But with that being said, let's break down a little bit of this LSU-Arkansas game that occurred on Saturday as Arkansas held quarterback Jaden Daniels to just 85 yards and 10 rushing yards. One interception as well along for Jaden Daniels, but if you're speaking of Arkansas, you're speaking of this defense. Arkansas used that three-man front. They were extremely aggressive. Brian Kelly had mentioned that in their press conference. He said exactly it was an aggressive defensive game plan. Liam, what else did you see from this Arkansas Razorback defense? Well, I mean, their DBs were uh, were criticized for being, you know, pretty bad because, uh, you know, you look back at all the other teams that played Arkansas and, you know, they were getting burnt in the passing game and I feel like they kind of stepped up today. I think maybe it's because of that, you know, the battle of the boot, maybe that, uh, you know, gave them some, I don't know, some motivation, but uh, that, that definitely helped out the Arkansas defense to stop, you know, Jaden Daniels from being able to pass those players. And also, like you said, they had a really aggressive um, blitz game plan or that they, you know, got a lot of pressure on Jaden and he couldn't run as much because our offensive line wasn't blocking as well as they would. So, you know, they did a lot of things to help, you know, stop him. Yeah, I agree. They were really aggressive, just trying to get to the ball. Two turnovers, seven sacks. They showed up. The only thing was, like, their offense was not capitalizing off of the great defense that they had. Right, and part of that had to do most likely with K.J. Jefferson, Arkansas's starting quarterback, was not able to play as he dealt with a bruised shoulder, a bruised clavicle. Sam Pittman made the executive decision to take him to keep him out of the game, and that means Malik Hornsby won the starting job, and he was in. He went 4 of 9 for 24 yards, but you can't talk about this LSU-Arkansas game without talking about Harold Perkins. Harold Perkins, LSU freshman linebacker, went off on that game. Eight tackles, three sacks, three tackles for a loss, and a forced fumble. He helped secure the win at the end of the game to close it away, to allow LSU to get that golden boot back like you had mentioned, Liam. But if you're speaking of Malik, if, if you're speaking of Malik Hornsby, the backup quarterback for Arkansas, he runs at an Olympic speed. He was a track runner back in high school, but that did not seem to phase Harold Perkins at all. Cassie, we're talking about how effective was Harold Perkins in this game to help LSU secure the win. I mean, he just gets to whoever has the ball. Like, you just need to be afraid that Carol Perkins is going to spawn out of nowhere. He's just crazy athletic, so fast. I mean, he's, like, one of the main reasons why we won. And it's crazy to think, like, he had the flu, apparently. So he had a flu game, and I just think he played outstanding. That one play where, you know, he got to Hornsby. I know that was frightening for him. (laughs) (laughs) It was, right? I know. He came up with the... The sack, and it was quite impressive by Harold Perkins. Liam, what else did you see from Harold? Well, uh, Brian Kelly earlier in the season said that, you know, Harold Perkins hasn't been too in tune with the schemes on defense, but, you know, he said that his athleticism is what, you know, brings him back into these plays, and that's exactly what he did on uh, last Saturday. You know, 
I feel like without him, we would have definitely lost this game because without him, I mean, uh, there were some other players. Greg Pym was playing well. Yeah, you know, Jay Ward playing well. But besides that, really no one else was showing up on defense. So, you know, Howard Perkins coming up with three forced fumbles, uh, however many sacks he had. I lost count. There were so many. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like his athleticism is really what leads him to be able to do what he does. And um, he's only going to get – He's only getting better and faster and stronger. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how he turns out in the next couple of years. It always makes me laugh when Brian Kelly says that Harold Perkins is having trouble reading schemes because if he is having trouble at this moment, he's having amazing games such as this. I mean, Cassidy, like you said, he pretty much secured this win for LSU single-handedly. And then just looking in the future, just the next few years when Brian Kelly can recruit other players to come in, it's going to be quite dangerous for this LSU defense is going to be quite dangerous. But LSU, this was supposed to be their trap game against Arkansas. You have to be careful. Arkansas put up a fight. LSU won 13-10. to And now LSU moves on to UAB. Coach Kelly did not take this game for granted. He said, these are little wins for us. UAB coming up, Texas A&M. And this is what else he had to say about UAB and their offense and their team as a whole. As I mentioned, um, last home game at Tiger Stadium uh, and playing a UAB team that um, first-year head coach Brian Vincent, who's taken over, he had been the OC. Uh, they have you know, one of the best running backs in the country and Dwayne McBride. He's got over 1,400 yards rushing. Um, very accomplished on offense. Um, I, I think from an overview, uh, what I would say is a very mature team. This is made up of fifth-year seniors. There's there's a number of sixth-year players on this team. So this is a mature veteran football team um, that has a very good offensive structure. So you're speaking of UAB, you're speaking of Harold Perkins, and throughout most of this season, LSU has done a pretty good job of putting a spy on the quarterback that they are facing, mostly because most of the quarterbacks in the SEC, such as Ole Miss and Jackson Dart and K.J. Jefferson, if he had played against Arkansas, but even a guy like Malik Hornsby, as we had mentioned, they can run. They can use their mobility, similar to Jaden Daniels. And then what Brian Kelly had said, that there's a possibility that a team like UAB is going to have to put a spy on Harold Perkins. Liam, is this the key for UAB to at least having a chance to contain Perkins on Saturday? Um, I think so. But, uh, I mean, again, uh, if SEC teams can't handle him, then I don't think UAB would be able to handle him either. Um, you know, I feel like that's really the only way you could possibly try to stop him because it, you have to either get a spy on him or double him or maybe, you know, just get everybody you can to block him because – he has that kind of, you know, that, that kind of ball skills that kind of, you know, moves uh, on the line to be able to get past anybody. So if you don't, you know, get a spy, if you don't completely focus your offensive line to just block him and not really worry. I mean, it, it, even if you don't worry about anyone else, you still have BJ, you still have all these people. So, I mean, if, if they do that, they're going to have to – they might be able to contain Harrow, but then there's all these other players that are going to give him trouble anyways. So. Yeah, I agree. Definitely going to have to pull out whatever it takes to stop Perkins. But I really wouldn't count UAB out just because we are LSU and we <laughs> at least sometimes. And, you know, they're coming off a big win against UNT. They have lots of momentum. They're going into Death Valley. You know, these are games that players, they want to make a statement. They want to 
see what they can do. So I wouldn't count UAB out. I'm not saying they're going to win, but I'm not going to say they're going to roll over. Right. Nothing is an easy win when you're in college football. You have all this hype that LSU has right now. You saw that game against Arkansas that they struggled specifically offensively, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But going back to the defense and Harold Perkins, that's what makes Harold Perkins so great, like you had said, Liam, that there's so many other guys that this team has to look out for. And that seemed to be what Arkansas did. That offensive line tried to watch out for guys like BJ and Makai Wingo. And then Harold Perkins, this freshman, that, okay, he's a true freshman. Everyone's saying he's having trouble reading schemes. How dangerous can he be? And it wasn't until about the second half of that game that they said, okay, we really have to focus on Harold Perkins. And somehow he was still unstoppable. So definitely something UAB has to look out for. You have a guy like that coming off such a dominant game with the flu, which I also have to mention, like, does he know who MJ is? I mentioned (laughs) it on the Sunday show, but I still have not gotten confirmation when Brian Kelly said, oh, Harold Perkins, after you just thrown up before the game, like Michael Jordan, Brian Kelly said, MJ, had one of the best games of his career when he supposedly had the flu, and Harold Perkins responded with, who is MJ? And that still blows my mind. Days later, I, I have to know, like Harold Perkins, that was just flu brain, right? <laughs> but if, if we're continuing to talk about this LSU offense, they did not produce like LSU fans are used to seeing on Saturday. It was a it, was not an extremely impressive game. I mentioned that Jaden Daniels only had 86 yards. Brian Kelly seems to be confident that they will make improvements this weekend against UAB. Yeah, so, you know, we were defended uh, quite well. And, and so I think part of this is understanding what adjustments that we have to make when teams are looking to defend things that have been really good for us. So, you know, we've got to make some adjustments. We've got to look at how we're doing things and, and, and be, um, I think, one step ahead, you know, from that perspective and um, have some adjustments, do some things that allow us to be uh, effective at what we're good at. And um, quite frankly, our preparation has to be better. We've got to coach better. And uh, I'll put a lot of that on myself in terms of preparing our football team, in particular on the offensive side of the ball. So one of the highlights for this LSU offense against Arkansas was Josh Williams, 122 yards, 19 carries, and was averaging about 6.4 yards per carry. But other than that, as we had mentioned, Kayshawn Booty only had 49 yards, and there wasn't much production from this offense, and this offensive line seemed to fold. They were extremely dominant against Alabama, worked well in that max protection, and then Arkansas just seemed that they had forgotten the fundamentals of football. But Cassidy, we'll go to you. Talking about this UAB game, you had mentioned that it could be dangerous. LSU has to look out for it. There's a lot of hype, but you can't get too ahead of yourselves yet. So what sticks out to you about this offensive struggles, and what do they have to work on to improve this week? Because they do take on Texas A&M two weeks from now. Yeah, I just think... I don't know what it – they can't start off a game properly. I think that's what it is. I don't think we have a fast and aggressive offense that I wish that we could have. Like, you know, I'm not saying we need to play at the rate that Tennessee or Ole Miss plays at because they have really fast offenses. But maybe just get down the field, maybe just a field goal at least. But I think that we're just really sluggish when we get the ball in the beginning of the game. And I think that's something I definitely think we should work on. I mean, I agree. You look at every single – almost every single game this season and – you know, it's always, oh, well, it's a slow start. We're going to have to fight back. And, you know, that's, I mean, it's good in some things where it's like, oh, well, you know, you can fight back. But if you have to do that every game, it's never, it's not going to work out every single time, especially if you're going into an SEC championship against Georgia. Uh, so you really can't afford to do that, especially not against them. And, 
you know, this, these are the games against, you know, a bad AM team, a UAB team that's really not on your level that you should really, you know, be able to iron out these mistakes. And to be honest, you should have ironed them out, you know, weeks ago. But, you know, if you can do it now, then, you know, it's better late than never. So hopefully that we can, we can get that started and, you know, keep Josh Williams hot. LSU had about six points going into halftime, and the commentators said when Damian, Damian Ramos was lining up for a second field goal of the day in the first half, that this seems like a really good start for LSU, because if you watch them all season, you know how slow they are. <laughs> and LSU had six points on the board. That's not extremely impressive, especially when now you're going to an SEC championship, you're taking on possibly one of the best teams in college football. If you're looking ahead, if you're getting ahead of yourself, even though that's something Brian Kelly doesn't seem to do, there's improvements that have to be made against a team like UAB. It gives you a little bit of an advantage, a slight opportunity. You're not playing an SEC school. What I would like to see is this offensive line played again well against Alabama and then just didn't come out and didn't show out against Arkansas. And part of that has to do with Arkansas's defense. They came in dominant. They came in aggressive. But those are little things that you have to fix because come December 4th or December 3rd, there's not going to be excuses for that. Even a team like Texas A&M, that could be a dangerous game for LSU. That's always a competitive game every year. But LSU will take on UAB in Tiger Stadium for the last time this season at 8 p.m. Central Time on Saturday. With that being said, let's move on to the NFL. We'll start off with Monday night as the Philadelphia Eagles were stunned by the commanders. It really does prove that I might be bad luck because I wrote up a question (laughs) for this game probably in the first quarter. And I said, will the Eagles remain undefeated going into December? They take on teams like the Colts. They took on the Commanders. I thought, okay, they're going to win this one. And then they did not. The Eagles suffer their first loss of the season. They are now 8-1. The Washington Commanders moved to 500. At 5-5, Commanders defeated the Eagles 32-21 in Philadelphia. Speaking of this Eagles team, what costed them the loss, Liam? What were key points that stood out to you? Um, I feel like just you know this this team is really good, but this game it just kind of showed that they like I, I don't know if there's a flaw with them or if there's just a bad night, but there were just so many untimely turnovers. There was you know multiple fumbles, multiple you know there's an interception as well, and also just dumb flags. You know the, at the end of the game they had you know Taylor Heineke almost wrapped up and then he takes a knee because he's about to get slammed by two defensive linemen. So I don't blame him, and so. You know, he, he goes down, and it's at least a second, and two defenders still come and tackle him, and that's obviously going to be a flag. So I feel like, you know, especially coming from veterans on that line, you really can't do that, and I feel like that's the cost in this game. I feel like they uh, the, the Eagles more lost this game than the, you know, than the commanders won it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there were a couple of plays missed by the refs. Um, I know those Eagles fans were really upset. But, you know, that also doesn't mean anything. You have to play better. Like, you just have to – that can't be the reason why you lose a couple of – I mean, sometimes it can. The Saints game. Mm-hmm. But no, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. And so um, – but, yeah, some costly fumbles. And the defense, they were like a no-show every time there was a third down, allowing mm-hmm. the commanders to convert on third down a lot. So I think that was a lot of the reason. The commanders converted 12 third downs yeah. in that game on Monday. And Brandon Graham was – the player who was penalized for that crucial call against Taylor Heineke late in the game. You saw Heineke's celebration. I don't know if you saw on the plane, he kind of channeled his inner Kurt Cousins with the chains and was celebrating. But credit to Taylor Heineke. He comes away with the win despite possibly losing that 
position in a few weeks if Carson Wentz does come back. But I agree with you, Liam. It's those crucial calls, those calls that you don't think matters. But when you have a veteran guy, Graham's been in the league since about 2010, you can't make those those costly penalties. You can't allow them to happen. And as for Jalen Hurts, it just seemed like an off game. Just, again, that interception, just little things happening within this team that didn't look like the Philadelphia Eagles that were 8-1 just last week. They will go on to play the Colts. They play the Packers. Is there a possibility that this team wins out and goes into December with just one loss? Liam, what do you think? I mean, there's definitely a possibility. I mean, I thought they might even go undefeated before this game. And uh, But, I mean, it's really just, you know, in the NFL, you know, it's always that you know old adage, you know, any given Sunday. So, I mean, it really you, – you can't really just tell that, but I feel like they, they will have a good chance of winning out, but I feel like they lose a couple more games, you know, because if they lose to the Commanders, which the Commanders aren't terrible, but if they lose to a team that's obviously a lot worse than them, then, you know, they can lose to anybody. So it kind of showed that they were human, and it kind of – I feel like it brought them back down to earth. Yeah, I agree. I do see them winning out in November, but you are right. Anything can happen. And the Commanders really aren't the best team in the league. But, I mean, they're playing the Colts. No offense. But <laughs> playing the Colts and the Packers. But the Packers, they did show up this weekend, so I can't say much. I know. I'm not I'm not sure if I can doubt out either of these teams. We'll yeah. get to Jeff, Jeff Saturday. We'll talk about him. Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, at least it looked like against the Cowboys. But the Commanders, just to remind you, two years ago, they did defeat the 11-0 undefeated Steelers, all right? And then they do it again with the 8-0 clearly undefeated Eagles. So it is interesting to see the Commanders, who have been quite a laughing stock of possibly the NFL with a lot of problems going on with their owner and things of that nature to come out and to win big games such as this. But we'll move on to other NFL games as we didn't really have a chance to talk about them on the Sunday show. Our Sunday show airs from 2 to 3 each week on 91.1 KLSU, so you can check that out. But since now we have more of an opportunity to talk about some NFL games, let's talk about Cooper Cup. It was announced today that Cooper Cup will miss four weeks with an ankle sprain on Monday. Ian Rappaport reported that it doesn't sound good. But the Rams have been struggling. They come off, they win the Super Bowl, now they're at 3-6. and six. They take a loss to the Cardinals, 27-17 on Sunday. How depleted can this Rams offense be now with Cooper Cup's absence, Liam? I mean, you, you look at the entire season, and they've kind of just had a lackluster offense in general. I mean, you have Cooper Cup, and then who else? I mean, you have Tyler Higby, who has been a serviceable tight end, but you really can't base a whole offense on him. You've had Allen Robinson, who's been underwhelming, to say the least, um, this season. And, you know, you have someone coming off an injury like Cam Akers, and he hasn't been playing well. Uh, and you have, you know, the other running back in that. In running back room, you have Darrell uh, Henderson, who also hasn't been playing well. So, I mean, I feel like they're just all all around on offense. Even Matt Stafford has been playing a lot worse than he has been, you know, the past couple of years. So, um, I feel like for a lot of it, it's just either they're too old or, um, you know, just they're, they're just underperforming. And um, I don't think that Sean McVay's fault. I just think these players, um, you know, they're just not playing well this season. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate with the Cooper Cup injury because he's a great wide receiver and he's, you know, Matthew Stafford's main tar- uh, target. So, um, it doesn't look too good for them but you never know you never know you even look like a look at a guy like van jefferson someone who now has to step up into this role and there's a question if he can because cooper cup was that guy he was so dominant and if i'm the rams right now i make a plead for obj 
you give him the money. I mean, I know a lot of people don't agree with me. We've had this conversation before, but OBJ has said that he wants to come back. He says, the Rams know what I want. We've talked about it. We've discussed it. He wants to stay there in Los Angeles. There's a lot of also just you think about he has a child now and you don't have to move, just things like that that can make it easier for OBJ. I know that now they're three and six. I know a lot of other teams are looking out at OBJ like the Cowboys and the Giants and possibly he might want to go there but the cool thing is the Rams won with him they gave him the Super Bowl ring I know he probably wants to play for one but he said he wants to go back to Los Angeles do you make a plea now that Cooper Cup is hurt Cassidy is it time to possibly sign OBJ I mean if I'm the Rams I would sign him it I just know they're worried about like you know cap space and money and stuff but you're three and seven three and six think it might be time. I don't want him to go to Rams, but I <laughs> think it's time for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, like OBJ is obviously a great player, and uh, he played great for them last year. And, I mean, uh, he says that he wants to go back to Los Angeles, but at the same time, you know, every player that's in free agency always says, oh, I want to go back to the team, whatever team they played for. Uh, and half the time it doesn't end up that way. And I don't think it should, I, I, and I don't think he will. Because, like you said, he wants to play for a winner, and I feel like that kind of overrides him wanting to be in Los Angeles. I feel like he's either going to go to some team like, I don't know, the, the I don't know why I'm blanking, the Bills or, you know, someone like that or like the Ravens because they need wide receivers and, you know, you get Lamar. Um, and so I, I feel like there's a lot of teams he can go to, but I just don't think he'll pick the Rams just because of how bad they've been just in general and how bad Matt Stafford has been as well. Right, of course, doesn't look like the same Rams team that won that Super Bowl last year. But also that was the goal, because I always said Matthew Stafford can't win a Super Bowl, and I was wrong about that. And your goal is to win a Super Bowl, and that's what they did. So that's another thing is, okay, I know it's always, okay, let's repeat, let's do it again. But that's what you did when you signed those guys. You signed guys who were older so you can win, and you got the job done, you accomplished it, and did something that most NFL teams don't do because they think it's too much of a risk because things like this happen where you can't be good consistently. But let's move on to some rapid-fire questions. They are back. We're going to do it a little differently, similar to how we did last week, where we're not so much going to analyze games, but just questions about certain games, starting with the Bears versus Lions. Now, the Lions came away with a 31-30 win. They're on a two-game winning streak. But Justin Fields, once again, another amazing game. He ran threw for 167 yards, two touchdowns, and ran for 147 yards, was the team's leading rusher. We will start the clock now. Liam, we'll start with you. Is the consistency legit for Justin Fields? Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't think so. I mean, this calf of, I mean, I feel like he's going to be a good player, but I don't think he's going to be this good. I mean, like you look at his stats and what he's been doing, and it's been absolutely crazy. And it, it kind of sucks for the Bears because you look and they've scored almost, you know, 30-plus points a game for the past three games, and they've lost each game. So uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's just really sad for him. And I feel like, you know, Fields, he, he's a good player, but I don't think he's going to keep this type of, you know, that, this type of play up. I think the contrary. I think he's starting to really just heat up, and I think this could be consistent over the past three games. 441 yards, 385 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns, and only one interception in three games. I like Justin Fields. 40 fantasy points, just saying. <laughs> Swapped him out for Kirk Cousins real quick. Got the win. And this Bears team just needs to build. They need to build around Justin Fields now and build that defense up as well. Moving on to the Cowboys versus Packers game. Aaron Rodgers defeats the Cowboys once again, despite only winning three games and losing to the Lions before that. Packers win 31-28. to Liam, is Aaron Rodgers back? No. 
He's not. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, I love Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Not 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 for his not like his play. Not for the person he is. Okay. Um, but you know, no, he's not. I'm sorry. He's just he's he's, he's he looks washed. And even though uh, he he had a great game yesterday, I mean, a clock is right. Even a broken clock's right twice a day. So I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna be. I don't think he's gonna keep it up. I think they're gonna, you know, continue to lose. But you know. But that connection is developing between him and Watson and some of these wide receivers. Yeah, that's so, true. Little promising, but I do agree with you. Father Time might be getting to him. Cassidy, the Cowboys were 195 and zero when leading by 14 points or more going into this game in the fourth quarter. Well, now they're 195 and one. Why can't Dallas defeat Aaron Rodgers? I think the Packers are just our kryptonite. Like, we could be a Super Bowl team, and we will still lose to, like, an 0-8 Packers team. Like, it just never fails. Doesn't. The Packers have def- the Cowboys have defeated the Packers just three times since 1999. 1999, 2008, 2016. That's it. Aaron Rodgers just seems to get them every time. What a way to get on track for Aaron Rodgers. Possibly. According to Liam, no. But we'll see. It's not going to happen. <laughs> now, Jeff Saturday and the Colts. He suffered a loss in a high school football game just a few weeks ago, and then he gets his first win as an NFL coach, never coached in the NFL or college football, on Saturday against the Ravens, against the Raiders. Colts win 25-20. to Jeff Saturday, can, did he do enough to prove doubters wrong that he can win as a Colts head coach despite never coaching ever in the NFL or college? Cassidy, what do you think? I mean, he did get a win, which is like, that's what the NFL is about, winning. I just think it's too early to decide what kind of coach he's going to be. And he beat the Raiders. Like, no offense to the Raiders, but he beat the Raiders. So we'll see what what's coming up. For yeah, him. I mean, I agree. I feel like it's a little bit too early to decide that. It's been one game. But, um, you know, I hope he keeps playing the way he has because he keeps giving Jonathan Taylor the ball, and that's what I need in fantasy. So hopefully <laughs> um, But it was funny. You know, he posted a tweet, and he was saying, um, you know, the Raiders look really bad, and like two weeks ago. Yes. And then, he's the, and then he gets the job, and then he beats the Raiders. It's just so funny. So. Sam Ellinger was expected to play at quarterback over Matt Ryan. The person I was playing in fantasy had Sam Ellinger in, so good for me. But also that was a crazy move because Matt Ryan was possibly never going to play for the Colts again, and then Jeff Saturday makes the decision to put him in the game, and they come away with the win. I'm not totally sold on Jeff Saturday. I feel like if you put anyone in there, eventually they're going to win a football game, unless maybe you're the Browns a few years ago. But other than that, Jeff Saturday does come away with the win. He's saying, oh, look, I'm proving all my doubters wrong. But I kind of agree with Cassie. It's just not enough yet. You yeah. haven't won anything. You won a game against the Raiders who are struggling. Poor Derek Carr is crying oh my gosh, after the yeah. press conference. That Raiders organization in general has just been through so much the last few years. Derek Carr is just the face of it. If I was Derek Carr, I would get tired, too. It, it's a tiring process just with everything that's been going on with that organization. And along with that, they're not winning football games. But we are over time, but let's add an, an extra question because this is something notable you have to talk about. Justin Jefferson and that Bills game. Justin Jefferson went off. Most notably, he had possibly the game-saving catch. The Vikings were able to come away with a 33-30 to win in overtime against the Bills. The Vikings move to 8-1. and Justin Jefferson, 10 receptions, 193 yards. And again, one of, one of maybe the greatest catches of all time. So that brings me back to Odell Beckham when he had that catch in 2014 against the Dallas Cowboys. And he was a rookie, and that really put him on a pedestal and said, wow, this this could be the next best wide receiver. So if you're going back to that catch a little bit and you're talking about this Justin Jefferson catch that just had it, which one do you think was better, Justin Jefferson's or Odell's? Cassidy? Okay. I think 
I think Justin Jefferson's catch was outstanding just because, like, it was crunch time. Like, he put the team on his back. But Odell Beckham Jr., he started, like, a wave. Of, like, nobody was really doing one-handed catches mm-hmm. like that. And so since Odell, like, that was, like, a thing. So I think for the culture, Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch is a little bit better. But, like, athletically, I think Justin Jefferson's was way better. Like, he was covered. Like, m- 100% covered, and he still caught it, so. I mean, I, I agree. I think OBJ's is better. Uh, I mean, li- like you said, I mean, you look back, and there's, like, memes of it. Oh, yeah, like, I'm going to Odell this, you know, all this yeah. stuff. And <laughs> that's, like, a whole, like, thing. I said that all the time in middle school. I was like, oh, yeah, dude, throw that ball. I'm going to try to Odell it, you know. So it was the whole thing. And, you know, I feel like Justin Jefferson's maybe was more clutch, but at the same time, I feel like you, you look at the play uh, with OBJ, and it was a pass interference. Like, he got literally, like, pushed, and he mm-hmm. was falling out of bounds, and you know, I feel like that was just a better play in general. I mean, they're both absolutely insane catches, and Justin Jefferson's is probably 1B, but I'd have to say OBJ's is better. He caught it with three fingers, Odell, in that game. But I look at this, I mean, when I was a kid, I said, totally odell did it. Me and my cousin, we would go out there and play football and be like, yep, totally Odell. Like, the goal was to catch one-handed because of Odell and the hype that he brought to the NFL, not just the New York Giants. But I look at it from a different perspective because – there were there was a lot more going into that game where the the OBJ they didn't come away with the win the Cowboys defeated them 31 to 28 Justin Jefferson the pressure was on and that game saving grab it could potentially end the game you go on for your second loss of the season and once again there's those rumors is Kirk Cousins good enough is this going to be a downward spiral for the Vikings are they going to lose in the playoffs again and they go on and defeat possibly one of the best teams in the NFL. that was high, The Bills are highly anticipated possibly going to the Super Bowl. Now they suffer two losses in a row, but exciting. And that's what puts me in the middle of this because why I might be leaning towards Justin Jefferson just because the pressure was on. Odell, it was, okay, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do my job. Where Justin Jefferson, it was, okay, I have to do my job. And also, if I don't do my job, they we lose the game and I have to go into a press conference and explain why I dropped it and everything that happened on that play. But that's what I like. That's what's exciting about the NFL is that you don't have to choose. You can say, these are two amazing players, like you said, Liam, and just enjoy it. And you wait for the next amazing catch so we get to debate something else silly yeah. like this. <laughs> but as we wrap up this, the show, let's quickly talk about LSU men's basketball and LSU women's basketball. They played earlier in the week on the weekend. They'll play later in the week this week. So we'll save a lot of that talk for the Sunday show. But men's basketball, they are now 2-0. and They play New Orleans on Thursday. Let's make some early predictions, not just for LSU, but also men's basketball as a whole. Liam, I know you're very into basketball. Let's start with you talking at basketball at a whole. If you were to make a very early prediction, who wins it all this year? Um, I mean, you look at it, there's a lot of teams that it could obviously be, but one, the, I think the one team that has really been like, I've had like had a connection to, really been like my kind of favorite has been Houston. I mean, they've been good for the past couple of years, but I feel like this is their year. I mean, um, I feel like Gonzaga isn't, isn't going to be as good. I know they have Drew Timmy, and uh, they got, you know, the LSU center, uh, Efton Reed. Uh, not saying that he's, <laughs> you know, super good, but, you know, that's still talent. He's seven foot tall. So, um, you know, Gonzaga has a lot of good players, but I just don't think they're going to be as good as last year. And obviously it's North Carolina, who's obviously going to be as good as they have been for a while. They have Caleb Love. They have a lot of fantastic players, but I just think Houston's going to take it this year. Okay. I think I I like that take. I just don't want to be cliche, but I can really see just a blue blood winning it all again. You know, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky. Like, just one of them, especially because 
they're always reloading. They're always having the top talent come back to their programs. So I wouldn't be surprised if I see them, you know, make a run for it in March Madness. I like Gonzaga, and I say this every year, and call me basic, right now they're number two, but I liked what they did against Michigan State on that aircraft carrier. They won 64-63. to 63. Drew Timmy, 33 minutes, 22 points, 13 rebounds. He was aggressive, dominant in that game. He helped the team win the game in the final seconds. And I don't know, every year Gonzaga, they're always good enough, but they're just yeah. not good enough to win it. But with that Efton Reed magic, you know, last year at LSU when he put his hair up, everything seemed to change. So maybe <laughs> that will happen again. Drew Timmy, I like the team that they have. And I'm mostly going to be wrong. Again, we'll probably laugh at this later. But they're 2-0 right now. I like what Gonzaga was able to show college basketball against Michigan State over the weekend. Moving on to women's basketball, LSU is highly anticipated, very exciting. LSU women's throughout their first three games scored 343 points. That's the most points through the first three games by any women's basketball program over the past 20 years. They were also highly anticipated coming into the season under head coach Kim Mulkey, who was able to recruit her own class this year, also bring in some transfers from the transfer portal. But again, speaking of women's basketball as a whole, early predictions, Cassidy, who's going to win it all? I don't know. I I I can see South Carolina going far just because they have built like a dynasty right now. But I really can see us making a run for it. We have, you know, a great head coach, like you said, lots of transfers, and we have strong freshmen. I can see us going pretty far this year. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Obviously, there's the yearly favorites like, you know, Stanford, South Carolina, all that stuff. But, you know, I have to agree. I mean, I, f- I, I feel like this is unbiased. But, I mean, you look at this LSU team, and we have a lot of talent. You know, we have Andrew Reese. We have uh, we, have, we have Last Air Poe, who's a really good player coming off a bench. We have uh, just a lot of – we're just a very rounded-out team. And I feel like this team has what it takes to go really far. And um, I hope they do because that would be awesome for LSU mm-hmm. sports in general. Yeah, a team like South Carolina is going to be hard to get through. But if you're looking at LSU, if this was any other coach, any other program, I would likely say they need a year or two. They need just a little bit more time to connect. But judging by what Kim Mulkey did last year with a team that wasn't necessarily hers, comes in with a lot of students who are fifth years or they're graduate students or they're graduating, they're seniors, and she turned the whole program around. I mean, the women's basketball team was saying that they've never seen fans like this. They've never seen the excitement and the energy that Kim Mulkey was able to bring to this LSU program. And that's why LSU is going to give teams a run for their money. Right now, they're ranked 15th in the polls out of 25. They're exciting. And when they get into SEC play, I really think they'll be able to put up some competition and possibly be the next South Carolina. You know what Kim Mulkey was able to do at Baylor. I don't see this being any different here at LSU. But what was what is interesting is that number one South Carolina will take on number two Stanford on November twentieth. Liam, who you think is going to come away with that win? Uh, I mean, of course, it's easy to just say South Carolina because they're they're you know the number one team, their record, and there's their whole pedigree over the past couple of years. But I feel like Stanford takes this game. I mean, they're a good team too, and. Although basically, I feel like it's a coin flip. I, th- I think you know Stanford has the edge, and uh, I don't know why. I just have that you know gut feeling, and I feel like Stanford's going to get the win. I would like for South Carolina to win, just because I, I'm a fan of Don Staley and just mm-hmm. that whole program. I think it's crazy that a a game of this caliber is being played this early. So I think that's crazy. 
Why I'm going to go with South Carolina is because as of right now, Stanford has not played a ranked team. Whereas South Carolina, even though it is only one team, they did play number 19 Maryland. So it gives them a little bit of an opportunity to understand the dominance that they're about to go up against in a team like Stanford. They're coming off that win in in the championships last year. So I think it's exciting. Dawn Staley also similar to Kim Mulkey, just knows how to lead a team, knows how to recruit properly. And that's why I'm leaning towards South Carolina. I think they'll keep it in that number one spot. And maybe Stanford would fall. Possibly they'll stay at number two. It just depends on how the game pans out. But that is all we have for you today. I would like to give a shout out to Jonah Webster, our production producer. Also, make sure to tune in to our tailgate show every Friday, live from the Student Union at 1130. This week, weekend, we will be giving our breakdown and analysis of the LSU versus UAB game. Joining me today was Liam Haley and Cassidy Johnson. I am Patricia Caputo, and this has been the Hodges Huddle.